episode 18 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, entrepreneurship, and of course, self-care. We're putting women at the center of our media and behind the creation of it. And today's episode features Natasha, who is the founder and CEO of Capsule Books. Capsule Books is a company that aims to categorize books in a different way, through feeling. She's always found that the most interesting part of reading books, watching TV, or listening to music is how people tell stories, why they tell stories, and who those stories are most meaningful for. Natasha hopes to show people how important a quiet pastime like reading is in a world where people only hear the loudest voice. I found Capsule Books on Instagram and my inner nerd was so excited, you guys. Capsule Books is on a mission to make reading cool again. So every season, you can choose a feeling that resonates with you and their team curates a handful of books around that feeling shipped right to you. For example, this season and past seasons, capsules have included destiny, romance, nostalgia. You can choose from these feelings. And what I love most about capsule books is that it's run by book lovers, like real humans who carefully curate each capsule full of books that they themselves cannot put down. So I'm definitely that kind of person who loves going into a bookstore but has a hard time committing to buying new books because there's just so many things that I want to read. So this is kind of the perfect solution. You can learn more and subscribe for your first capsule at capsulebooks.com. And if you use the code SELFCAREESUNDAY, you can get 15% off your capsule at the checkout. That's capsulebooks.com. Now in this episode, I speak with Natasha about books, about what it was like founding her company, and then we also, she kind of turns the tables on me and starts asking questions about my life, which kind of proved to be an interesting interview because so often I'm interviewing these guests that I'm so intrigued by, and I forget that not every listener and not every guest knows every aspect of my story. So you're going to hear a little bit from Natasha and a little bit from me in this episode, and we're just going to jump right into the episode. Natasha, thank you so much for jumping on the show today and trusting a stranger on the internet to tell your story. (laughs) I'm always so grateful for the connections that I make on Instagram, and I'm so excited to hear more about you and your journey. So let's start with you. Where did you grow up? Uh, Well, I was born and raised in sunny Southern California, and then I graduated from USC in 2016. As a kid, I always loved reading. I was always a little bit weird because I went to a school with a bunch of white kids, and I was like the only Asian kid, and I like brought rice for lunch and stuff. So books were kind of like my friends until I made friends, and I really like always liked going to the library. I know it's like super nerdy, but (laughs) yeah, so books were just like my main source of comfort as a kid and um, as a kid I always wanted to be like a world famous writer like JK Rowling or something I was like obsessed with her (laughs) Mm -hmm. so what has your life looked like for the past three years then uh well three years ago I was in college 
Um, I graduated in 2016 with a degree in narrative studies. It's sort of like English, except I was able to focus on a lot of different mediums to tell stories. So like not just books and not just short stories, but also movies and music and uh, like TV shows and stuff. So I got to take a lot of different classes and I thought it was just really cool. I love books and books are like my favorite thing ever, but I can honestly say that like movies and TV shows and music take up just as much space in my life as books do. So after graduating, what what did your life look like then and kind of where did the idea for Capsule Books come from? I worked in food service after graduating. It was a job that I had like on the weekends while I was still in school and I worked like at a little ice cream shop <laughs> and then... I got hired like as a tutor and then I worked as like an admin assistant. So I did a whole bunch of different things. And now on my resume, it says versatile and adaptable. (laughs) Um, A couple months after graduating, you sort of start to feel like this void because you don't have school to distract you (laughs) at all times. Um, So I found myself like in this rut where I didn't really know what I wanted to do because I was able to do like different things, but I didn't know which one I wanted to pursue. Like, career-wise, of course, being, like, an English major, you don't want to end up, like, a barista, right? (laughs) That's always the stereotype. So being versatile and adaptable was kind of just, like, not knowing what I really wanted to do or what I would be good at or what I really cared about. And I tried to read books in this time, and it was hard for me to, like, find books that I hadn't already read that I was really, really interested in, and I didn't really know where to look for something like that. So I was looking for like a subscription box service that would do it for me. And there weren't any that I thought were, that piqued my interest. There weren't any that I would choose for myself and they were all like very genre based. And I like to read from different genres and I wanted like a specific feeling, like something that would help me out in this specific moment of my life. And there was nothing like that. So I thought I should start one. And so Capsule Books was born. And so walk me through the process of what it was like to start Capsule Books, you know, in a time where everything is going digital and the industries are shif- shifting so much towards the screen. Why was focusing on physical books important to you? And kind of how long have you been working on it now? Um, let's see. So I had that idea a couple months after I graduated. And it started as like, if you were in depression, here are the books for you. Or if you had anxiety, here are the books for you. Or if you feel lost in college, blah, blah, blah. And it started like that, but then it sort of morphed into this, there are some positive feelings too (laughs) that are worth feeling in life and that books can bring you. And I wanted to include things that were more, that transcended like just a certain moment in your life, even though it might be super meaningful for that. And in terms of like when everything is going digital, I always loved paper books. Like there was something about holding it in your hand and reading the actual pages. And like, even if I was like editing one of my essays or something in school, I would like print it out and then write on it. Cause to me it's so much, it was easier. And like, I got better results from it. I don't know why, <laughs> but having it on the screen is just not as impactful as having it like in your hand. At least for me. Like, I always tried to, like, read a nook or something or, like, read it on my iPad. But it was just never the same. I also think nostalgia is a super powerful feeling of our generation. Like, growing up, I remember being in, like, third grade and writing a book report on, like, Charlotte's Web. And I had to, like, handwrite it on lined paper. (laughs) Do you remember that at all? Yes, oh my gosh. They do that for you, 
I totally, I also did, I read Charlotte's Web as well. And just as you were saying that in my head, I was like thrown back into my classroom in elementary school writing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, like handwriting a book report. Like it was like three pages long and you had to handwrite the whole thing. (laughs) That's crazy. And that was like third grade, which we see ourselves as old, but we're actually quite young. (laughs) So it's crazy like that in the past like 15 to 20 years, technology has advanced so much to where writing a book report is completely unheard of and like I remember taking cursive classes you know like in first and second grade and when I was a tutor all of those kids they were like in high school and they had never learned cursive before in their lives and I was like what (laughs) it was just like mind-boggling to me so the fact that it happened so quickly I think makes it really easy for people in our generation to feel really nostalgic for a simpler time, for a time where you wrote book reports or a time where like you weren't carrying a calculator around all at all times. I don't know if you remember, like my math teachers used to say, oh, you have to learn these things because are you going to carry a calculator with you at all times? <laughs> like three years later, we all carry calculators and they all do so much more than just calculate numbers. Yes, it's like a personal calculator, dictionary, encyclopedia, like everything you could ever want in the palm of your hand. Yeah, so they had no idea that that was coming and like neither did we. And when it's happening as you're like growing up, I think it's super impactful on how you feel about the past. So for me, physical books have always had like a sort of nostalgic feeling um, just because there's not that they're rare nowadays, but that everything is on the screen. So having a physical book is like sort of a rare opportunity now. Yes. And you mentioned the connection between books and mental health. And I think there's a really strong relationship there, at least for me as well. Like books can be so magical for a person's mental health and they can take you to a different place. And for me, it's always been Harry Potter. I remember sitting on the classroom floor in grade two as my teacher read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone to the class. And it was the first time that I'd ever heard or like entered into the Harry Potter world. And I so vividly still remember that first experience. And then I went home, I bought the book and then the second and then the third. And I would read them to myself and to my friends when I was younger and literally like grew up with Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And then reading the last book feels like the end of an era and probably similar to you because I think we're like similar age. But when the final movie came out, it was also like I was graduating from high school. So everything was just this reflection in my life in terms of a chapter coming to an end, a series coming to an end. So it's amazing how much books can get you through a time or like help you feel less alone or just the way that books stay with you even after you've read them, like for so long after. And so I'm really curious to hear what some of your favorite books are, which I'm sure is like super difficult to narrow down, but (laughs) even like a book or a series that has really meaningfully stuck with you in the same way. Um, Well, Harry Potter is definitely one of them. It's just like a total classic. And a lot of people in the literary world will be like, oh, Harry Potter is super overrated. But I had a really similar experience to you too. Like I had two older siblings and we would all read Harry Potter and then we would pre-order the book from Barnes and Noble and my older brother would read it first and then I would read it and then my uh, older sister would read it and she would read it because she was a slower reader, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But but yeah, like we would all read it within the span of like two weeks 
um, even like the 800 page ones, you know, when they started coming out. Mm-hmm. And I remember like growing up with the movies and with the books and watching them like every Christmas, whenever they would show them like for the Christmas specials. And yeah, Harry Potter was just super relatable in terms of like they went through school and they went through life and they had all these real problems. And it made you feel like lucky <laughs> that you weren't being chased down by Voldemort. And, like, you know? <laughs> but yeah, besides Harry Potter, I would say the book that got me through high school is um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I know that's like a super popular book now, but I read it like all four years of high school each year just to like keep myself grounded, like to remember what I was here for and to not get so caught up in like trying to be popular, like extracurriculars, uh, getting really overwhelmed with school. So I would say that that had a really big influence on me throughout high school. And now I would say um, it's really hard to narrow it down, but my all-time favorite book is A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki. It's about like this girl named Now, who's the time being, <laughs> um, and she like lives in Japan and she has this terrible life where she gets bullied all the time, and it's just like her diary, and then it's like a two-narrator story, so... On the other side, there's this person who found her diary, like, years later, and is, like, reading through it. So that book, honestly, like, is my favorite book ever, and it's exactly the type of book that I hope to write someday. That's (laughs) Um, amazing. But yeah, those are probably the two best books that have most affected me throughout my life. So I'm curious now, what does it look like to run capsule books? Because you mentioned like the process of finding new books and wanting to find new books that relate to certain feelings. So how do you go about that when you're curating your capsules? Well, to start, it was a lot easier because I had like several books that I was really passionate about that I really loved. So the first few seasons were really easy, but now it's almost like I've been a year. And I've had to keep like a really strict reading schedule and just keep constantly look up, looking up books and like spending hours researching books and then like buying them and then seeing if they're any good. And sometimes I'll read a book that I really, really enjoy and then I'll build a capsule around it. Like I'll be like, oh, this book feels really nostalgic or something. And then I'll build a whole like nostalgia capsule, which came out in the spring, my little nostalgia capsule. <laughs> but yeah, it's, It's difficult, but at the same time, I have, like, a purpose to do it now. It's not just for me, but it's also for other people. So I find it a lot easier, and it's actually, like, one of the the easiest parts of running the business is doing that part because it's the part that I actually wanted to do. Yeah, the discovery (laughs) part. That sounds like a dream job almost. (laughs) Like, you're just, like, reading (laughs) books and, like, recommending books to other people, which is awesome. Yeah, Um, I can feel a little bit like homework. Um, (laughs) Like, if I, like, didn't catch up with the schedule or something, I have to read, like, four books in a week. Like, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Um, But, yeah, it's really nice because I really enjoy reading books, and... I always wish that, like, I had more time for it or, like, that I had a certain community to share uh, all the books with. And it's really nice, like, being on Instagram with the Bookstagram community. And discovering that was a huge game changer for me. Yeah, talk about kind of the changes that the company has gone through from when you had the idea to now where you're at. What has that looked like? Um, We've just grown a little bit but only a little bit. It's just me and uh, my boyfriend who runs the company. And 
it's been really nice to see the feedback from the community because when I first opened it up I thought oh who's going to be interested in this it's kind of like a depressing concept because <laughs> <laughs> my first summer capsules were like one of them was about heartbreak and one of them was about like going through an existential crisis and the other one was like about grief or something so they were all like really sad and my brother mentions it to me too he's like all of the books you choose are always so sad <laughs> um, but I've had a really good response from the community and everyone has been so nice and like especially with customer service you always get like horror stories and like working in food service I had my own horror story and so I was <laughs> expecting customers to be like that but honestly, like, book people are just the nicest people. Like, you can mess up, and they don't care. Like, they're more like, are you okay? I, this must be hard for you. And then I always, it, it just really takes me back, like, how empathetic and caring all of these, like, book people are. Um, and it really, like, helps me, it really motivates me to, like, keep moving with this because spreading reading is so important, and to have that sort of empathy would help everybody in the world. If you could recommend one book to our listeners that you think would be a great self-care Sunday read, what would you recommend? Oh my gosh. Um, let's see, besides the ones that I've mentioned, I would say a Haruki Murakami book. <laughs> I love Haruki Murakami. Some people don't, but um, he's a little bit controversial, but I really like him. And I guess my favorite book from there would probably be Kafka on the Shore. If you're looking for a sort of escape, but also looking to reflect on what's going on inside you, and you just want to read something that's like really beautifully written, then Kafka on the Shore would do all of those things for you. Amazing. So I'm curious what self-care looks like for you now and maybe what your life in general looks like. I know running a startup can be really stressful, um, but I think it's really interesting that you are in an industry, I guess, that is kind of tied to self-care. Like books are a big part of people's self-care. So talk to me about some of that. Sometimes I get so caught up in like reading books for my company that I forget to read books that I like. So sometimes I'll read like this not very good, <laughs> like in quotes, not very good book, like a really cheesy romance novel or like a really cheesy YA novel or something just to just to like have fun again with reading because it can feel like homework if you do it for too long. Um, a lot of times like if I get behind in my schedule or I feel down about like not doing all of the things I wish I did, I will try to do those things. I think a lot of times, me included, I always get caught up in wanting to relax or like having a bubble bath or like something like that. But I also think it's really forgotten that you have to care for your future self. Like next week or something, if I look back at this weekend and I didn't do anything, I'm going to be really mad at myself, you know? And I'm going to wish that I had done something because next week I'm going to feel so overwhelmed and I'm going to have like twice the work or something. So actually keeping that schedule and like being able to do my work or like even like doing laundry has become such a chore now. Like I, <laughs> I used to love doing laundry, but now it like takes so long. So like I like leave it until the very last minute. <laughs> but when I do my laundry, I feel like so good about myself and I feel good about myself for as long as I have the clean clothes still. So it's just something like 
doing the little things that your future self will thank you for, I think is really important. And a lot of times people only do the things that like their present self wants. That's so true and such a good point. And I think that that's kind of one of the aspects of self-care that isn't really talked about too much because it's not trendy. Yeah, it's not fashionable to do your laundry or like to wash the dishes that have been there for three days or something, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's so much easier and so much more aesthetic and acceptable to just do the things that your present self wants versus Mm -hmm. taking care of your future self, which is generally the really boring stuff, Um, but so important. Yeah, like even like making an appointment with your dentist, which I totally still have to do. (laughs) (laughs) So Natasha, you're a writer as well as a book reader. What are your goals for the future? Like, do you want to grow capsule books? Is it your goal to be a writer? I've written a few short stories, like enough to put into a book, but they're not super polished yet. Um, And I do want to be a writer. It's always been a dream of mine since I was a kid, which I think is a really good way to see what you're meant to do is to think, like, what did you want to be as a kid? And, like, one was, like, Britney Spears, and then the other one (laughs) was, like, a novel writer. So I do want to be a writer, like, an actual published writer. And in terms of how that interacts with Capsule Books, I want to grow Capsule Books into more than a subscription box. I want to make it like a publishing house or something and then publish a bunch of books under a certain feeling rather than like certain genres or something. I think doing that will have a really good effect on the industry because a lot of people get so stuck on, they get they get like really pretentious like, oh, this is literary fiction and not mm-hmm. commercial fiction. And then I'm always just like, well, I like both. <laughs> <laughs> like there's good books in both and there's bad books in both. So To me, like, the genres are almost useless. In terms of, like, that, I really want to push towards, like, a publishing house. And then uh, many, many years (laughs) down from the line, I'd love to, like, open a bookstore. I've always wanted to open a bookstore and, like, be the bookstore curator. And I have lots of ideas for that, but I kind of want to keep them secret so nobody (laughs) can steal them. That's amazing. That's so cool. I'm... I, I love everything that you're saying. I think because I too, like when I was younger, not necessarily to be a writer, but just wanted to be like a creative in some way, like always creating something. And so right now that's like manifesting through a podcast. Sometimes it manifests through like blog posts, but it's really interesting to connect with other creatives and, and writers. And so I'm curious, like, have you had any cool connections or any milestones or highlights over the past couple years that you're proud of or that you're excited about? Opening Capsule Books was like a really big one. It's one thing to have a business idea and then it's a whole nother thing to make it come true. Yes. Um, As I'm sure you know, it's so much harder. Like there's so much paperwork that you never want to do. And like, that's honestly, for me, the hardest part about running a business. It's like all of that boring stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Because the stuff that I want to do, I want to do it. So even if it's hard, I like to do it, right? But yeah, I mean, I'm still really new. It's only been almost been a year since I opened Capsule Books. And like getting my first customer that wasn't 
my brother. <laughs> that was really cool. Like someone that I had no idea who they were mm. and they didn't know who I was, but they just thought it was a cool idea. That was like really validating. And then getting even more. And then I remember really specifically like the day that I got 100 customers or I like made 100 sales. That was a really big deal to me too. And we're still like a super, super small baby company. So for now, I want to say that there's only a couple and that I'm really looking forward to bigger things. Mm. You know what though, I think it's so important to hold on to those little milestones and to always like be grateful for even those small things, like even that first customer or even yes. that first hundred customers because I think people get really caught up in the hustle and the bustle and specifically like in the startup and like in the new business world because everybody wants to be an entrepreneur right now. Yeah. It's really it's really like sexy to hit like all these like big milestones, but at the end of the day like if you've created something and there's a community of people around you and the way I always look at it is like put those 100 people in a room. Put your first yeah. like 1000 followers on Instagram in a room and people you think that it's a small number at first, but then when you realize like, no, like these are real people who like genuinely love what you're doing and are like giving you money to continue doing that. That's such <laughs> an amazing, amazing feat. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the same goes for you too. I do, do try to hold on to those things because like I know that in the future I'll look back and think like, well, I'm so grateful for that very first customer and I'm so grateful for like my first thousand followers on Instagram. And I want to remember this time is like a really exciting time and not a time where I was like frustrated because I didn't meet my unrealistic expectations or something. Do you have any advice for other maybe young female entrepreneurs or young women that are maybe graduating from university and thinking about starting a company? What would you say having learned what you have over the past year? Even though I do feel like I've learned a lot, I also feel like I don't know anything. <laughs> and that's the thing that I think if you talk to like business owners, they don't know anything either. <laughs> and I'm not saying this in like a condescending way, but like if you feel like you're underqualified or like you haven't, like for me, for example, I felt like I haven't read enough books in order to start this company um, or like I don't know whether something is good or like I can't really pinpoint the feeling or whatever. I felt like that so many times throughout this business, like not just when I was opening it, but even when it was already open. And yet the feedback that I got told me otherwise, if you ever feel like you don't know or you can't learn or like you're not qualified, like just forget about it. Like just do it anyways. Like if it's something that you really want to do, just do it. If there's one person that will support you, that means that there's a thousand people who will. That's so true. I love it. I love it. Hmm. I've read through all my questions here. Was there any other, I mean, other than the quick fire round, which we'll get to in like a second, but was there anything else like in general that you wanted to touch on? Um, I was really interested actually about like your life. I don't know if that's really <laughs> relevant to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, like, listened to a bunch of the podcasts, and, like, um, I sort of heard, like, part of your story. I haven't listened to all of them yet, but I will. <laughs> um, but I think that your story is, like, so interesting. Like, you went from, like, startup to startup, and, like, I was really interested in, like, how you got into that career. Um, yeah. So, yeah, how did you get into it? 
Uh, yeah, well, I co-founded my first startup um, when I was in university in my last year. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just like, it was one of those things that at the time we didn't know we were starting a business. And then it just kind of like organically evolved into that. Like it evolved from a project to a business. And we were like, oh, this is something we should probably take seriously. (laughs) Um, And so did like a couple of business accelerators, which were really helpful for me because that was kind of how we learned like the basics. Like I didn't take business in school (laughs) so having kind of mentors and those opportunities to learn certain basics around around things was really good and to be like surrounded by other entrepreneurs and other people in the startup world and so grew my first business for a couple years and then just became like so ultimately burnt out by it I was just like working in it so much and I felt like my whole identity was kind of tied to my startup and I didn't feel like myself anymore or like I was an individual person outside of that. So I decided to leave the startup and then I, yeah, went to work at another startup, which I thought was going to be a great experience, but I ended up just being like so depressed because... I think like so many changes in my life, like I had moved to a new city, I had left my startup, like all of these pieces of my life that were my identity were all of a sudden not part of my life. And so I left the other startup that I went to, I went home, I moved back in with my parents for like two months and just like refreshed like watched a lot of Netflix read a couple books um that was when I started this podcast because I knew that I wanted I wanted to do something but I didn't want to start another business because I know how much work it takes to do that and I wasn't ready quite yet to jump into that again so I wanted to start something but I wanted it to be like a passion project and that was kind of how the idea for self-care Sunday came about was just that so much of my own self-care has been having conversations like this with other women and primarily women because I think just like women entrepreneurs go through different things than male entrepreneurs do and most of my closest friends are women and so yeah so the idea for the podcast was basically how can I have more conversations with women and record them and then make them into something (laughs) it was kind of selfish of me um and so I started that earlier this year and then after a couple months I started doing like some consulting work uh for different entrepreneurs and startups and small businesses that had just kind of been in my network all around like digital marketing and Instagram and influencers mainly because that was like a big part of my role over the past couple years of what I'd learned and now I'm just doing that full-time really like consulting doing some freelance work and kind of like building up until I'm like mentally ready to start something else again (laughs) because it, (laughs) it is like such a huge endeavor and you know this like to to actually like take an idea and make it a business like you said like there's so much paperwork there's so much like unexpected financial cost it's like (laughs) mentally so tolling on you because you're like constantly working or constantly thinking or constantly there's like something else that you can do and it can be really really exciting but it's just also like it's a lot and obviously we live in an age where like it's so accessible to start a business now 
and to just like have a very low entry barrier where like anybody really can start a business if they truly wanted to. I think it also has created this strange sphere where like everybody's a business owner. I'm not the kind of person that just wants to do something for the sake of doing it. Like I would rather like start something and actually give it like a really great go. So I've had a few other business ideas that have like been percolating for a while now. And I'm kind of just like letting myself refresh before I dive into that world again. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> That's hearing me. your story, I think like this may be like a really close-minded way of thinking, but I think a lot of business owners or people who end up starting businesses, they'll only ever be happy doing that. Like mm. whether it's so stressful or whatever the toll it takes or something, like if they get stuck into a job that maybe they don't want or like just working for someone else, you know, helping make their company grow better rather than their own. I think a lot of times that feels like so terrible to the person. <laughs> like they're just not happy, I guess. And you kind of sound like that, like that's kind of your story. <laughs> Is that like you had your own business and like you loved it. And then when you started working for like someone else, it just wasn't good. And, and it might've just been like that one workplace, you know, you never know, like there's so many factors. But I've always kind of been like that, too, where, like, I might be really excited to, like, get work from someone else. But then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, I could be doing, like, I could be expending this effort for for myself or, like, for something that would benefit me more than just trading my time for money. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it is really interesting. And I'd never had, I'd never really worked for anybody else up until that point because I had gone straight from university to basically like creating my startup. I've never worked a corporate job. My other job was still a startup job. So I've never like dipped my toes into that world. But it is so funny how like once you're an entrepreneur, you just see things very differently. And it can be kind of difficult to like put yourself back in a box where you're just doing one piece of the puzzle rather than like the whole puzzle. Once you've had a taste of like, I wouldn't say freedom because we're all kind of slaves to our own businesses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But once you've had a taste of like that kind of control over a company, it's really hard to go back. I think the hardest part of being a business owner is like that nobody tells you what to do. And it sounds great, but then you realize like, oh, nobody tells you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like suddenly you have to figure everything out by yourself. There are some people you can ask for help, but ultimately it's your responsibility. So that's like the scariest and most difficult part about being the owner rather than like the employee or like even if you're an executive, if there's rules already set for you, then it's, you know where your guideline is. But yeah, I, I think that there's like two types of people <laughs> and one's not necessarily better than the other. It's just like what each person might want in their life. Yeah, so interesting. So at the end of every episode, I like to do a quick fire round. Uh, You can answer with one word, one sentence, something short and sweet. The first question is, what's your zodiac sign? I'm a Libra. A Libra. Oh, my sister's a Libra. Is it pretty accurate for her? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yeah, I think so. Do you feel like it's not accurate for you? 
I feel like it's accurate for me, but my sister is also a Libra. Her birthday's like one day um, after mine, but like five years before. But she and I are totally different people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to me, like it's a little bit weird. Like maybe. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done like a full chart. I've only gotten I into this. I've always wanted to. Yeah. So. I bet, like, if you and your sister both did a full chart, you would have, like, polar opposites on all the other things, and then your main sign, you would both be Libra. I'm really interested in it. Like, I read my horoscope every day to yeah. be like, oh, do I have good news? Like, <laughs> it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? It's like, oh, you're going to get a raise today. So I'm like, oh, I'll ask for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. I love horoscopes. Uh, coffee or tea? definitely tea I really like bubble tea that's my main <laughs> I love bubble tea are you a night owl or a morning person I've really tried to be a morning person I know they're a lot more productive and happier and they live longer apparently but I'm definitely a night owl <laughs> do you have any pets I do I have a little dog named Lola she's in all of my Instagram pics on Sundays it's called lazy Lola Sundays Oh she's super gosh. cute. <laughs> what kind of dog? Uh, she's a golden doodle. I need to go look right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite place in the world? I want to say like Japan. I don't know if it's too general to give a whole country, but I freaking love Japan. And I hope that in the future I can move there and live there for like at least a few years. More specifically, there was when I was a freshman, um, in my college dorm, <laughs> there was like this hallway leading to all of the dorms, and there was a little tiny hole in the wall that was like about person sized, and it was big enough for someone to sit in. And I called it like my negative space nook, and it was my favorite place to read. And people thought I was so weird because mm-hmm. I would read right there, and then they would be like, "Why are you reading?" Like that was our first question, not like, "Why are you sitting in the wall?" But why are you reading? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like my favorite place to read. And I love like little nooks that aren't on the floor and like that kind of feel like they're floating. I love little like reading nooks like that. So I hope to have one like mm. that in my future house. I know that wasn't that wasn't quick fire. I'm really sorry. No, but that was such a good answer. Um, and finally, what does your perfect self-care Sunday look like? Not waking up to an alarm, getting stuff done for the first couple hours and then taking a nap. And then reading with a face mask on. (laughs) Amazing. That sounds like what I want to do right now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you're intrigued by capsule books, definitely go check them out, capsulebooks.com. If you want to order a capsule, you can get 15% off with your purchase. Just use the code SELFCAREESUNDAY at the checkout. And if you like this episode, leave a rating or a review on iTunes. That helps us a bunch. I say us. It's really just me behind this podcast. You guys know that. (laughs) Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.